Blessed be our triune God, source, wellspring, and living water. Amen. So today is both Trinity Sunday and Father's Day. And I'm still trying to decide if having Trinity Sunday and Father's Day on the same day is the best combination or the worst combination. Father's Day traditionally is what we call a low Sunday, uh, at least in terms of attendance. In contrast to Mother's Day, where mothers can command an entire family (laughs) to attend church, Father's Day is that Sunday where dads who don't go to church very often get to say, we're not going to church today. And it's falling on Trinity Sunday, which is really a major feast uh, in the church. And it's falling on the first Sunday of the World Cup, the most significant sporting event in the world every four years. And I have to say, my Father's Day gift would be if St. John's, just for today, had those screens like all the big evangelical churches, and we just watched the game together. (laughs) That would be a wonderful Father's Day for me. The Trinity, the Holy Trinity, the mystery of the Trinity is notoriously difficult to explain and understand, which is why we often call it the mystery of the Holy Trinity. And the Father language we use in the Trinity can present a challenge. So having Trinity Sunday, the day we especially honor the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit fall on Father's Day can just complicate things. Or it can present us with an opportunity to try and address these issues. Central to our faith as Christians is the doctrine of the Trinity. That our God is three in one and one in three. The God that we proclaim is one God in three persons or three expressions of one God. And that this triune God is eternal, which is to say that God has always been the Holy Trinity. Sometimes we can think that, well, there was God the Father, and then Jesus came along, and then, uh, and then the Spirit came on Pentecost. Those are manifestations of the Trinity, But the God we proclaim has always been the Holy Trinity. Jesus Christ has always been the Word of God. 
the wind announcing the arrival of the Spirit at Pentecost that we celebrated last Sunday was the same wind, the same Spirit that moved over the waters at creation. As Episcopalians, as uh, what we would call uh, members of a liturgical church, a church for whom worship is central to who we are, we say that praying shapes believing. Praying shapes believing. So if you want to know, if you want to learn how we live with, how we worship, what we believe about the triune God, you come to worship. You can read all the theological books that you want to, but if you really want to know what we say, what we believe, what we experience of the Holy Trinity, you come to worship. Because it is in the language of worship that we express what we believe about the triune God. So I invite you today especially to listen to how the Trinity is described in the creed that we sing, in the Eucharistic prayer and in the other prayers and in the hymns. The traditional formulation for the Trinity in Scripture and throughout much of uh, the history and tradition of the church is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we are speaking of God the Father in terms of the three persons of the Trinity, it's important, very important, that we understand when we say God the Father, we're not talking about a male. God the Father isn't a guy. We're talking about something else. And when we hear the word, the phrase, God the Father, especially on Father's Day, it is very important that we do not project our own relationship with our Father, whatever that was, onto God the Father. Oh, God the Father's my dad. At the same time, we must respect that father language about God can be very challenging, even painful for people who have had difficult relationships with their own father. That's just a reality of the language and the way it is used. If you were abused by your father, and you encounter in Scripture the story of God telling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, even though that story has a deeper meaning it's trying to express, that sounds like a story of abuse. So we have to respect how people respond to father language and affirm that we're trying to speak about something else for which words will always fall short. Words will always fail us. The key to the doctrine of the Trinity and understanding the Trinity is not focusing on each person of the Trinity, 
but understanding the essence of the Trinity is that it is relational. The eternal Trinity is social of its very nature. The way the persons of the Trinity are in relationship within our God. The reading we heard from 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to a church that is in conflict. And he is inviting the members of that church to live into an image of the Trinity. To live into that image of the Trinity. It's very interesting because if you look at the letters of Paul that are considered authentic, he ends most of his letters with some benediction about uh, the grace of Jesus Christ be with you. But in this letter, he purposely invokes the whole Trinity because he is trying to point out that that church community is called to live into the kind of relationship that we see in the Holy Trinity because the Trinity is the ultimate expression of unity Not unanimity, but unity. The relationships between the persons of the Trinity are the very things that should characterize the life of a Christian community. Grace, love, communion, peace. So in this sense, the love of God the Father represents an aspiration for human parents. We were created in the image of God and invited to live into how God lives in relationship. And at the same time, we look to examples of the true love of a father or a mother to say what God is like. One of my favorite Eucharistic prayers, which we use in some seasons here, speaks of God's people and says, but we we rebelled against you and we wandered far away. And then the Eucharistic prayer says, and yet as a mother cares for her children, you would not forget us. God is like a mother who cares for her children even when they rebel and wander away. So God the Father, in the love expressed towards the Son and Spirit, represents how human parents should be, but not how they always are. Thankfully, forgiveness is central to our faith. So we are also called to strive to forgive our parents this day, to forgive our fathers for ways in which they may have fallen short. And at the same time, especially for people who had difficult relationships with their father that the unconditional overflowing love that God the Father has for you 
can be a healing source in your life. In the gospel today, we heard Jesus' great commission to the disciples where he sends them out to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and to make other disciples. One of my professors in seminary often talked about how if you look at the original language used for baptism, we translated, if, if you were here last Sunday during our baptisms or when you witness a baptism, the priest will often say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the original language actually says, I baptize you into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are being baptized into the reality of the Holy Trinity in whose image we are created. We are being baptized into a community that is called to live with the same unity and the same relationships that exist within the Trinity. Our closing hymn today is one of my favorite hymns, St. Patrick's Breastplate. And the line, I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity. It was sung at my ordination as a deacon. It was sung at my ordination as a priest. It was sung at every ordination and consecration of a bishop I have ever been to. It is the church's anthem of celebrating uh, new ministries because we are binding ourselves to the reality. Not just the person being ordained, but the whole gathered church is binding itself into the reality of the life of the Trinity. So this day... May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.